Welcome to Highly Functioning, a show about exploring, understanding, and optimizing the mind from a non-neurotypical lens. On this week's episode of Highly Functioning, we talk about the concept of love. We talk about how we experience love differently, how it manifests differently in our relationships, and the difficulty we've had with our partners and friends. An important concept that I think you'll particularly enjoy is the difference between feeling love and being able to show affection. As always, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcasting app. Follow us and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash highlyfunctioning. And if you like our content, consider supporting the show at highlyfunctioning.ca. There, you'll find bonus content, Q&A, and be able to provide direct input into how we can change the show. So today I wanted to talk about love, um, and it's a big topic. We, we definitely won't be able to cover all of it. Uh, you know, I, I just read The Rosie Project, uh, or just finished it at your recommendation, and so it obviously has me thinking about it, but it's also something I think about a lot, because if I had to say the thing that helped me start to get control of my mind was I fell in love. And it was very interesting because in the Rosie project, he is, he has this experience. He has no idea what's going on. And then someone tells him, Oh, that might be love. Right. I didn't have that. But when I experienced love, it was like such a new phenomenon to me. And I became, and it felt so good that I became addicted to that literally. And I spent all of my mental energy trying to figure out, what that was, how do I get it? How do I give it to myself? And it bore a lot of fruit, but it like, like definitely it was the most confusing thing for me. Relationships generally, but particularly with females was so bizarre to me. And I think for a lot of people, cause you know, uh, you know, people on the autism spectrum tend to be more rational and have a harder time with empathy and emotion. So I think it's really relevant, but then I see you and you know, you've had, you have, I don't know how long you've been dating your girlfriend, but it like blows my mind that you've had like a seemingly steady, successful relationship because all of my interactions were chaotic, would be putting it lightly. Right. Um, and it was literally, I managed to find the most patient person in the world who just helped me mature from a four-year-old emotionally to a 20-year-old or whatever. But I, I'm just, that's just like top of mind for me generally. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the topic and, and you know, your experience with it? I personally think it's a, a super interesting topic, especially because like, I think um, like my girlfriend's amazing in terms of their level of patience, um, as well as like, especially being completely new to this and being possibly uh, something that I might have. When I had told her about it, she was super supportive. Be like, okay, like I can totally see how this might actually be the case. Um, but uh, for me, I, th- I found the the most important thing about this relationship was that the fact that she was able to show me what it's in, how she was feeling. She was able to show me what like feeling is, what it what it means to like have relation, basically have uh, emotions or feelings about someone else that you might not normally have. And I find that the best part was the fact that um, because you are more um, intimate with the person, you have much deeper conversations, things like that, you are actually like, they're willing to tell you things that someone else might just be like, okay, like I can get out of this conversation and move on. Whereas this person's uh, essentially stuck to your hip, right? And though they have your best interests at heart. Um, But like, it's, it would be wrong to say that like, there's 
absolutely no issues, no things like that. Like every relationship has issues, every relationship has misunderstandings. And classically speaking, my misunderstanding could always be not understanding the emotional side of things of being like, this is a thinking, feeling human being. Um, and instead looking at, okay, what's the best decision to do? Like what, okay, what's the best thing to do? And it's like, my mind has already gone and said, this is fine. This is good. I know this is the right answer. And I've already thought through. And sometimes like, it might be something that I think about all the time. So I know that it's the right answer, but it might come off as someone just deciding the answer for you and almost being like, oh, you're not taking in this input. You're not doing those things. And that can be frustrating for me because I'm like, oh, but like, isn't it so clear that this is the right answer? Um, and it, it takes some time to actually talk it through and, and it, and my girlfriend's really, really great with being able to be like, okay, like, let's take it down a launch and let, let's like actually have this conversation and let me tell you how it makes me feel. Right. And so, I mean, that already seems more about the mechanics of a relationship versus like, what is love itself, right? The two, the thing that stuck out the most to me is that she kind of, you said she helped you understand how to feel or something like that. Right. And that is what resonated with me the most, because that's really what I had with my ex. Right. It was very much the first time I ever felt I could feel. And for a lot of it at the start, it, my feeling was just ang anxious. Right. Like it was like kind of anxiety attacks. But it, it's hard for me to navigate, you know, for me, like love went like I took a long time to kind of deconstruct what love was in my mind because you know here I had a person who changed me through different you know experiences and I ended up figuring out there was like four different parts of what happened there was love as such there was uh you know the ideal of my ex and the person she was there was how she changed me and then there was the actual person across from me Right. And so it was, and love somehow encompasses, encompassed all of them. And so it like, and so as much as, yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's, I mean, it's hard to tease out all of these different aspects and stuff, but I'm interested, you know, giving that prompt is there, I want to try and understand and talk about like the, the love as such separate from the relationship. Right. I mean, obviously they're connected. I don't know if you felt had other loves. Um, but to me, it's like, I didn't understand the emotion at all. And here was like an emotion that kind of punched through everything. And somehow this, this woman grabbed my heart and like woke it up almost. Right. It was so bizarre. Um, and so, you know, when you say she helped you feel, I'm wondering if it was similar or what, like, you know, if, or maybe there were analogous relationships where you had a more like loving relationship. Cause to me, um, you know, I remember the first time I ever said, I love you. That wasn't, I thought I had to say it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was like my grandmother and it caught me off guard. Like it literally came out of my mouth and I was like, whoa. Right. Like, cause before, you know, it's routine. Oh, bye. I love you, dad. Like that was just the expectation in my household at least. And I remember as well with a female friend a couple of years ago, I was just having such a good time feeling so connected to her, no emotional, no uh, romantic in interest, but it was just like, I love you. And then I was like anxious, like, Oh no, I said it. Like what, what if, right? <laughs> it's and, over. It's going downhill. Yeah. And so it's like, it was kind of like, yeah, no. So I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Save, <laughs> save me, Winston. Because no, because like, I find um, 
the way that I look at love might be different from what other people might think about it, where it's like, um, I don't look at it, look at it as like this overwhelming emotion that makes you um, do things. I almost look at it as like a very sort of useful emotion um, where it, it's, and I, I, and I haven't fully got, quite thought this through either but i almost look at it as like like it's of course it's weird to me that you do things for somebody that you probably wouldn't do for anybody else or there's someone else where you're willing to put their like you care so much about that person that something that they want you're willing to um sacrifice something that you have for them because making them happy is something that you really really enjoy um and the, the way i think it manifests a little bit differently and um, there's actually a joke that I heard recently about, uh, from Patrice O'Neill. Um, no one's ever heard of Patrice O'Neill, like one get out, out under the rock. But the, the great joke is that um, men want to be, no, uh, what is it? Okay, hold on, let me think about it. Which is men want to be, men want to be alone. It's, it's something along the lines of men want to be alone, but don't want to be like left alone, which is like, they yeah. want someone else there. Like they want to have their free time, but want to have someone else there. And this yeah. is like, I, I find, I, I find with me, it's like, it's almost to a more degree than that joke is trying to say about men in general, where it's like, yeah. I very much have, um, I almost look like a cat where there's like moments in which you really want love and you want to be there with that person. And like, there, th- that's what you want to do. And there are moments where you're like, Hey, like I want to spend two days alone um, of just like looking through stuff that I wanted to look at or finding my new special interest that I'm really interested in spending time into that. And that could be very difficult for other people because for me, it's like almost like this phasic approach um, or times where I'm just like, oh my God, like this person is absolutely amazing. And there are other times where I'm so into something else that like everything else just sort of shuts off and I don't think about other people generally. And um, that's very difficult for other people because for other people, sometimes it's just like an overwhelming emotion. Um, at least I, get, I think it, that's, that's what it feels like for them. Uh, but for me, it's, it's um, a bit more compartmentalized, but that doesn't mean it's not there. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, that's really interesting to me because I think that is where a lot of the issues come up generally is like with the emotions or the affection and in particular love, it's like, well, if you're like, if you don't feel it totally fully, then it's somehow not real. Right. It's some, and, and especially in a, in a two person dynamic, if you feel it differently than one another, perhaps it's like not as authentic in one person or not as full in one of the people. And I think it's really important to explore because, um, because I think a lot of people and a, a lot of people who are struggling with like, you know, are they autistic and these sorts of things will struggle with this, right? It's this, interpersonal relationship aspect and the pinnacle of that is a romantic relationship, a loving relationship. And so I'm interested, how did you navigate that? Because it's, that is different than my experience, right? My experience was it totally just burst through. Like I, I very much wanted and was like a doting lovey dovey person, right? And it's like, that's all I wanted from life for so long, because to me, there was like an idea and that might not be stereotypically like on the spectrum or whatever. But to me, from a very young age, it was like built up as an ideal. And there are psychological reasons about the love of my mother and other things. So I think like there are, again, even with this, there's a wide variety of ways it can manifest. But I'm very because I think in this regard, yours seems to be more in line with the average 
person on the spectrum if if we're using that those labels right um so i think and i think this is a good way to put it which is i think the love is still exactly the same the affection is a little bit different where a lot of the time especially early on in the relationship like everyone i think has that sort of honeymoon phase and i think um if you if you are on the spectrum and if there's someone else on the spectrum they can validate this uh for me is that you want to show that affection the issue is you don't quite know how um and for me like a lot of the times when we first start our relationship i'd be like what did i see in movies what did i see like i'll go read an article be like what are you supposed to do in order to show affection to someone else and i basically copy that thing and the issue that I end up having is when you want something that's like super deeply personal, where I don't quite know what to do at that time. And sometimes like my, like, like I always say, my girlfriend's amazing about these things where one, she understands how I'm like, what I, my actual intention is, and that I'm doing this in a loving way, but like, it might not be the most orthodox the way of showing her. affection. <laughs> and she's super great about that. Yeah. Uh, and also like, like at least recently I've, I've told her to be like, Hey, like, can you be really, um, and I think this is good advice generally for most people, which is, can you be really straightforward in terms of what you'd like? Like, tell me, like, do you like holding hands when you, when you walk down the street? Is that something that you enjoy? Because then I know as someone who wants to show affection to you, but doesn't quite know how, or is not the best at doing it. I know this is something you like, and I'll go ahead and do that. Do you like flowers? If you like flowers, do that. But if you expect me to have this understanding, uh, most of the time I fall short. And that's been like, that's been a, that's been a problem that like, and I think most people can, and at least other people that I think are on the spectrum I've talked about, which is that effort thing where it's like, for me, I'm like, I totally like love you. I can see a reason as to why I don't. And it's like, oh, but you didn't do X, Y, and then said things. I'm like, oh, like, I didn't know I had to do those things. I thought like all of my actions and my, and the things that I'm saying mean that, you know, right. and it that's where I think it's different. Everything. I didn't know there were specific actions that indicated it better. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, and like sometimes of course I might forget about things and like, I think that's just classically yeah. me being, uh, me being bad or being a bad boyfriend sometimes, uh, which is natural, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think, I think that's the, really the crux of the difference is that, um, having love, but not know, necessarily knowing how to express it the right way. Yeah. So the, the, your, your separation of love and affection is really profound to me and I've not ever thought of it that way. And I think that's a really important way. And two things come to mind. One is this book called The Five Love Languages. I don't know. Oh my if God, I hate that book. You hate that book? I, I hate that book and like that book at the same time. Yeah, I that like book that book. has been brought up in a relationship and in all of my friends' relationships yeah. all the damn time. <laughs> I just think it's a good indicator of that even among uh, neurotypicals, uh, let's say, there are different ways people do like being shown affection that resonate more or less with them. And so I think in particular for people who have a different, you know, way of looking at the world, or I don't know how to label us. I want to just call us Aspies, but I read somewhere that Aspie is somehow improper. But anyways, um, that's just my frustration aside, my emotions <laughs> taking over for a second. But um, the other thing that I think is really important is that you could have that conversation with your girlfriend of, look, I, I do love you. I'm willing to put in effort, but I need to know what to do. And for many people, they view that as somehow unromantic. They view it as, oh, but you should just know. If you love me enough, you should just know. And I think that's the root of a lot of problems generally, right? Because no, I don't know. And maybe like, yeah, like maybe my, the way I want love 
is I want to just like be a cat and curl up on your lap every night. And that's it. That's all I need. And then I know I'm loved, right? <laughs> Whereas you might want action or like presence or whatever it is, right? Um, and so I think in particular, yeah, like my understanding is you very much kind of more so need a bit of direction. It's like, I just don't know, like, you know, because I just feel the love and I don't need to do anything because I just feel it and I know it and it's there and you're there and that's it, right? Whereas for a lot of other people, that's not the case. And I know for me, that's definitely not the case. And I find that I'm incredibly, um, incredibly low maintenance. Um, and that's with, with someone else who might be also low maintenance is great, but sometimes I'm so much so that it's like, really, I might, are we still in a relationship at this point? You know what I mean? And that could be odd to most people. Cause I'm like, of course, like if I had to choose someone to hang out with, I would absolutely want to hang out with you. Like I would want to spend the rest of my life with you. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's <laughs> sure. You can take it that way as well. But um, like, absolutely. Like that's something that I, I, I feel, but you might not see that as like every single day, this is a text. This is something that tells you those things. And now I try to make it a point. And now that I've given, been given better direction, any time in which this person's thought comes up in my head, I try my best to send them a text or send them, hey, like, um, like I'm thinking about you or something like that. Uh, because I know that that makes that person happy. Whereas me, I might look at that and be like, great, I'm thinking about you. I'm also thinking about a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of other things. I don't see why it's important to say that. But now I understand that that's something that other people want to, want to see and feel. Whereas if someone, if she sent that back to me, I'd be like, right, sure. Okay. <laughs> you're in love. Of course you're thinking about me. <laughs> right? That's, but that's, you never say that in a relationship, David. That's, that's, the, that's the first piece of advice. Right. So, yeah. This is really interesting to me because for a lot of stuff, I'd say like, I seem more Asperger's-y than you, but this definitely you're more the typical, like, non-emotional type because I was very much different in relationships but it's interesting because to me it was like the romantic relationship was held up as like the epitome the one place it was acceptable and I had your same view in all my other relationships but for some reason there was this split where like the only place I could show any affection was a girlfriend um, and so when I had like my Buddhist phase and like universal love phase and stuff. And I mean, it was also psychological, like letting emotions that I had repressed come up. I, I ended up, you know, for a, maybe six to 12 months, every weekend, I'd send a, like a loving card to a friend from my past because it was like me retraining my brain to just sometimes think in that way to sometimes tell people what they mean to me and why, because it just hadn't mattered to me before, right? It's like, I don't like, I just take it as a factor in my life, right? But it wasn't something yeah, worth calling attention to or anything like that. And then I realized, no, but that was like the same way. It was part of training myself to have that inner dialogue more too, to tell myself I love myself, to remind me I feel good about who I am. I feel good about the person I am and not just take it for granted. Right. Some people maybe do that, but, you know, I hadn't felt good about myself. And part of the mental wellness journey was reminding myself of that. And so it was really beneficial to train my brain in that way. And it's just a different thought process. Right. I had always thought just of one mechanism or, uh, you know, three criteria. And here's another one. How much do I care about you and why? And just share that more often. Think about that more regularly. And I had a marginal experience with some of my family members. Um, 
but it was really just something I'd never considered other than it was like in this box of, a, I can do that with my future wife, right? Um, but so it's, it's interesting for me to see the parallels with how I treated people more, more broadly. And uh, yeah, it was definitely, it was just even like not, like it also had its corollary of when I had negative emotions, like, or like, I would just kind of be matter of fact when I stopped liking someone too. Like it was just, and so like, they talked to me. I don't like you anymore. I don't like you anymore. Like I used to like you and now I don't. Why is this upsetting? I don't understand. (laughs) Right. I'm being Um, honest. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it was very much just honesty and it only ever came up when it was relevant. Right. And it's just not often relevant unless there's some major shift, unless like, I don't want to talk to you anymore or like, Hey, I want to go out on a date with you. Right. And it's like, other than that, why would the way I feel about you ever come up? <laughs> like I, it was this funny thing that I said, which is like, I will continue to love you until I tell you that I don't love you anymore. Like right. I will tell you, like, you know what I mean? Like, right. And of course that did not bode well because that's usually something <laughs> regularly you probably shouldn't say. Right. Um, but um, I think, and you, I think you also touched on something really important, which is that at least for me, I've coped with it two ways, which is one, um, I don't think it's something that you can't do. I just think it's just something that you can't do well. And I think, like it will take longer um, for me to understand the emotional side of things of being like, oh, like this is how you're feeling. And like that, 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 that's common across a lot of like people with Asperger's, which a lot of the things that helps them is to be able to do things like cognitive behavioral therapy and things like that, that help teach you how other people feel and how other people think. And Mm -hmm. for me, a lot of the times when I show people um, affection, whether it be friends or or family or things like that. It's because I also in my head, I'm almost doing this like rational calculation in my head being like, I care about this person. I want this relationship to improve because I enjoy being around this person. I know that they want this and therefore I'm going to give them this because that's actually what I want at the end. And And you can't really say this out loud often because it comes off as unemotional, uh, but it's at the back of my mind. It's hard to say that I'm not thinking about that, right? Um, and that's important to me, but I also found, and the one thing I'll say is that like my girlfriend, for example, taught me how to hug people. Like I didn't like in my family, I come from a very unemotional family. So we yeah. don't hug. We don't say, I love you. We don't, none of that. Like I've never seen my parent, like I barely ever seen my parents hug. Um, and so my mom's like, Hey, why don't you hug this person? I'm like, why would I do that? Like, well, no one ever does that thing. That just doesn't happen here. And she's like, yeah. do it. Like she will like it. She will enjoy it. And at one point I did it, this awkward, like crazy hug. And she's just like, what are you doing? But now I hug her all the time because it makes her genuinely happy. And I know it improves our relationship and I'll continue to do that. And, it, and I feel like now I start to get some semblance of happy as well, because I'm like, oh, me making her happy is making me happy. Right. So that's really interesting. And I think that's, again, this is, I, I, I need to figure out how to dig into your emotions. That's my mission in life now, because I feel like... <laughs> like behind all of these rational reasons as to why you are doing these things is the emotion that's leading to them, right? You have an emotion that leads to the decision to make these things because of how it affects their emotions. But I just don't think it's held emotionally. But so let me ask you this, how did you how do you do it? Like, how does emotions or how does love manifest itself in you? Like when you have a friend that you really love, right? When you have a friend that you really, really love, like what or friend, um, significant other, whatever it is, um, how does that usually matter? Like if you find someone that you really like, how, what, what's usually the next step that happens to you? In my body? Both. 
body, brain? What's, what are you, what are you thinking? What are well, you feeling? so I still struggle with a bit of anxiety because of like a fear of rejection. And that's like the intellectual side that I still work through. But for example, there's a, a friend that's part of our other project that I realize like how deeply I care about her and how deeply connected I feel already. And right now it's still anxious for me to actually accept that because then there's a fear of rejection, but very much I was planning, okay, no, I want to let this person know both because it's valuable for me and it helps me be more comfortable. I want to express this emotion to her. I want to tell her how I feel because it helps me feel even more secure in that feeling. Right. But right. Like right now I'm struggling because it, I want to intellectualize it, but it is like, it's a, it, it's, it is like an emotional love that I feel in my chest with a bit of anxiety and fear associated with it because, you know, you know, maybe she'll be my eventual wife and I have to weigh that factor in, right. Or whatever it is. Um, You're already going to the white picket fence. <laughs> well, that's how that's, again, it's a defense yeah. mechanism for me. Right. But very much, uh, yeah, when I talk to people, it, it is an emotion that comes up. It's like, wow, this person is really valuable to me and I just want them to know that because they, it's just a truth. It's just a fact. And, and why not give that fact light um, is the way I intellectually think about it, but that's not how I feel, right? I feel, uh, it's hard to, I don't have the proper vocabulary to explain my feelings yet, right? But it is, a deep feeling of like my life is better because this person is in it. But again, that's the intellectual assessment of the feeling because the feeling is an actual feeling I feel in my body. Right. And so if you um, find a friend that you really love, right, what happens next? Do you like, do you find that you're overjoyed and you're like, um, like firing at 15 different cylinders being like, Oh, you're great. You're this, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do that. Or do you find that you sort of retreat back and be like, I really want to show this person that I really like them, but I'm afraid that because I don't know how to show that properly, I will just push them away. No, definitely the closer to the former, like, cause I am at heart a six year old hyper excited child. Right. And like, that's who I am. And so very much when I make a new friend, it's like, let's spend every minute together. <laughs> like, let's do everything together. Come to my cottage for a weekend. Like, let's fall in love. <laughs> and I feel like that even like I used to get jokes about having bromances and like, I've just always been that kind. If I like you, if I value you, I just want to spend time with you. And then we'll calibrate what's appropriate and hopefully you don't get scared away. Um, but that, that's also, I have a tendency since I was a kid, basically every stereotype of Asperger's where people are like re more reserved, I, I overcompensated. So my personality growing up was like the exact opposite of stereotypical. And it was all just overcompensation because I was so fearful of my normal reaction and it seemed inappropriate. So I just did the exact opposite. Um, and so I don't know if that's the actual, like, I don't know what the answer is in this case as to where, what my natural reaction is versus a overcompensation that's been programmed into my mind. But um, yeah, I mean, the first time we met, because uh, like, I would tell, like, it's going to be difficult for me to say right now, because I'm in a very intellectual state, but I would say, I love you. Like, I really value you. And I really am grateful you're in my life. 
And I'm like, as I say that, extremely torn because I want to be grounded, but it's super uncomfortable for me to be <laughs> grounded in my emotions, publicly telling this man, Winston, how much I love him. I love you and too, so, man, just so you know. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. But to me, I try and like really be grounded in it, right? And if we hung out for a whole day, I'd be chill and calm. Maybe not with you, but we get ramped up. But um, I lost my train of thought because I'm in a very emotional state at the moment. But I think that's that's like that's a perfect intermingling between both of the things that we were saying. Because I feel the same. Like when I meet someone that I think is interesting, I'm like, oh my god! Like I want to sit down with you and let's talk for hours. Um, and like the, like friends of mine who might be listening to this will be like, like sometimes we'll go for a beer and we'll be there for four hours. And I'm like, oh, you want to go? Like, oh, okay, all right, I guess we'll go. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll, I'll sit there forever being like, I want to talk to you. I want to continually talk to you. Let's not end this conversation. I literally. Um, but the thing at the back of my head is going like, oh, like, am I pushing this person away? I don't really know how to show that I really want to talk to them without being that like annoying little person that's like, hey, let's keep talking. Let's keep doing this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's the perfect mix between what you were saying where I'm like, I want to just be like, yes, let's do this. But in the back of my mind, I'm going like, that is going to end very poorly. Right. And for me, it was very much a reprogramming and re-unprogramming because I was this way until I was 24, but I was very much kind of, I had a lot of baggage. I had a lot of negative reactions that I'd give even to friends because of my insecurities. And so I started having to filter myself to deal with that. And I remember very vividly uh, about two years ago, I think, being with one of my best friends from university, starting to ramble excitedly at him and then catching myself and apologizing. And then him saying, you know, Birnbaum, that's people call me from my last name in university. Birnbaum, I know you, it's cool, right? And it was just like, oh yeah, I'm with this guy. He knows how I can get, right? And it makes you super happy because you're like, oh wow, finally. And it's like, and I'm very lucky now that I've kind of, cultivated basically only relationships where I feel I can be unfiltered and I can just be my lovey, like excited self. And I, and I have a benefit because I didn't have control of myself until I was 24. And so I, I'm used to letting myself be unfiltered and not having that, oh, am I going to cause issues? Because at the time I was like, if I cause issues, F them, they're not worth my time. Like that was the approach. That was the defense mechanism. I rationalized emotions away from if I was rejected, but very much so like in the past two years, I've like re-allowed myself and I say, no, I'm certain I'm a good person. I'm certain I'm well-intentioned. I'm certain that if I make a mistake, I will deal with it and, and you know, those who mind don't matter, those who matter don't mind type deal, right? And I really believe that. And so it makes my life so much easier that I can just do that and be excited and, and be that way. And yeah, I very rarely, if ever, am the one to end a conversation. If it's interesting, <laughs> like I could talk for 12 hours straight. I literally have an issue of losing my voice regularly because I talk to people so much. So, because that it's just, and that to me, that's what love is. I just want like, this is you. I'm with you. This is life. This is me engaged and living um, and understanding you. And, and yeah. And to me, like uh, for uh, whoever ends up being my significant other, my wife, like, yeah, I, I would literally, I loved with my ex that we could stay up 
for 10 hours playing truth or dare and just getting to know everything about each other we wanted and just exploring each other's minds and the dares too <laughs> um and like that kind of stuff right uh yeah and and i love how you say that because like the the honeymoon phase for me was like it was real like i was like oh my god like i need to know everything about every single relationship that you have that like what how do you feel about this person what do you like what do you don't like all these other things and personally speaking like it's great when you get to spend like a week away from someone and they've learned something done something things like that and it's like oh great we have another reason to have a four-hour conversation this yeah. is great like i'm totally into this as opposed to like having sometimes of course conversations can get, can get monotonous of how you doing good. I'm eating. Oh yeah, me too. I'm eating. Right. Like that won't yeah. stimulate me as much. Um, but, and, uh, sorry, go ahead. What, one thing that was really interesting for me is one of the like friends, I would say, I mean, it's hard for me to label it love with this guy just because of like the background, but like the first friend I really kind of held up as an example of me really deeply caring and enjoying about someone. Um, was like a friend of mine who was a cinema or is a cinematographer. And it was so interesting because I had only ever had friends who had similar interests to me. And so, you know, we talk for hours, but it's more the, the mental association is, well, no, I just love this topic. Right. But for him, we had completely different lives, completely different interests, but he was so aware of his values. He was so engaged in his own life that I just loved hearing about it. I loved hearing about someone who loved their own life. And to me, like, like the, the epitome, the, the pinnacle of love is like, it's all of these factors mixed in. They have their whole own life that they love that I get to learn. So I get to experience two lives almost. Plus we have some shared things. Plus they get to hear about my stuff and build on it. And so it's like, it's very much like the, I think not enough people understand how deeply and intellectually people like you and I can show our love and how meaningful those aspects are to, to me, at least like it's so hugely valuable. And that is what I crave, let's say, and what's lacking for me, right? It's very much that aspect. And I think some of my family still don't understand that because for them, love isn't that necessarily like, that's just a bonus. And I think for a lot of people, but, for me, that is love, right? Like that, like being, so, I just wish I could transplant your brain into my brain. Like <laughs> that's what love is to me, right? Which, which I think is, is important to articulate to any significant other or friend or anybody that you love because just like, and of course, like you said, um, and I'm probably not going to say it as well as you did, but it was those who mind don't matter and those who matter. don't matter don't mind or something like yeah. that. Something like, and I think that's great. Uh, and I think that's important to express that to those people so that the ones that actually do matter understand that. And of course, everybody's human. And if they see love a little bit differently, they're going to, they're going to have moments in which they're upset. But at the end of the day, they'll realize that what you're trying to do is show them love. And uh, yeah. I think that's fundamentally important. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And I also think I've had to understand that there's just people that's not compatible with and, and, that's understandable. Like that I overload people's brains sometimes and that's fair, right? Like I've been told that and they just, they don't want to spend more than two hours with me or even that guy I mentioned, the cinematographer, him and my best friend from high school, 
they know like they can't have a chill time with me. It's like a running joke. Like if they want to hang out with me, they can't be in a mood that they want to chill. And it took me a long time to be comfortable with that because I was getting a lot of messaging saying, why can't I just do nothing with someone? That's like what I should want to do just a pre and I do value that to a degree, but it's definitely not my primary. And it took me a long time to accept that. No, this is valid too. It's okay for me to want to talk to someone for six hours and not want to do nothing with them as if that's somehow superior. I think for many reasons, mine is actually superior, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but it took me a long time to be comfortable with that. And I think a lot of people struggle with that because um, yeah, it's societally seen as unusual at least. Mm -hmm. But you're valid, David. Hope you know that. You're valid too. I appreciate that. <laughs> Well, I, we're coming up close to time. Uh, we've just gone a little bit over 30 minutes, but um, in terms of wrapping up, do you have any closing thoughts before we uh, wrap this one up? I have, a, I have an important thought that will lead into an entire other discussion on love, but I don't know how relevant it is to like Asperger's generally, but that love is a choice. Love is a decision. Uh, and I think that's something I only realized recently. And so I think it has deep relevance to the way people with, uh, you know, people on the spectrum and stuff will think about love because there's this idea in the culture. And I think it particularly applies to people who make decisions about everything, let's say, um, that love is somehow just like a spark that's supposed to happen. But no, it, it, it's, it's fundamentally a choice, but that doesn't weaken it. But I think it's important to understand really what that means. And it's, I've only been able to understand that recently and it's been very helpful for me. Well, awesome. I love it. And I know if I say something else, we'll go down our own six hour rabbit hole. So maybe that's, a, that's another episode that we do on, on love being a choice and how we, how we look at those things. Um, but uh, we appreciate everyone that's probably still on the, still on the thing listening. And um, as always, subscribe, um, watch us on YouTube, look at our Patreon, things like that. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you on our next episode.